ate two breakfasts today, and they both were pretty good. Although I have run out of cheese, so I'll have to go out later on today. You know, desperate. Cheese? No cheese for the... Yeah, a Wisconsinite. A girl from cow country. So you had two good breakfasts. Why not go for a third? Well, is this a serious question, or can I just tell... Pass. (laughs) Pass. That lovely lady is my mom. And much like cheese is the glue of food, I think you will find her advice to glue together your heart. I am her cheesy daughter, Rebecca, and this is Advice from Mom. So we are back for a third part of our Baby Steppin' Special. Back by popular demand. With all the voices. I know you love my voices. So yes, there'll be some detective voicing, there's going to be some real voicing from a real guest. As usual, some of the names have been made up, but as always, the problems are real. And for this, some of the names are staying exactly as they are. You'll see what I mean in just one moment. But first, we're starting out with this big question. So... The question of how to know when you're done with therapy is, of course, a very sticky question, a very hard-to-answer question for the client. It's not as straightforward as finding a therapist. (laughs) Uh, Not that that's even that straightforward. I mean, we had to make two episodes about how that process is going to go. Mom, you have done an amazing job of giving... Nice, simple steps for how to look for a therapist, what to expect at your first session. But the idea of like breaking up with a therapist, there's no way it's not sticky. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's it's an onerous task and difficult. And afterward, you'll be so glad you did. Hopefully you've gotten something from it before you break up with this therapist. Let's hope. But also just, you know, this is... I think a powerful episode because so many people find themselves stuck in these cycles yeah. of going to therapy and not feeling like they're getting the benefit out of it. And it's really hard to be an advocate for yourself. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So Mama B and I are here to cheer you on. <laughs> and we each have our own perspective on how to do that. Yes, that is a good point. My mom's perspective is informed by 35 years as a psychologist and family therapist, having her own private practice. You'll hear her reference that a bunch. And then my perspective, um, you will find, is informed by Tinkerbell metaphors and Lisa Frank binders. So look forward to that. I also know you all look forward to how fast I can read the disclaimer for our episode, so I'd just like to remind you that this episode is for informational purposes only. It's not intended for diagnosis or treatment of any medical or psychological condition. Also, see, I mess up too. I'm a normal human. All treatment decisions should be made in partnership with your health professional. Um, yeah, from here on out, we are cheerleaders. We are cheerleaders. We are cheering you out of therapy. That's where you need to be. Hup, hup, hooray. Hooray. Go team. Go team therapy breakup squad. In this episode, you'll hear Dr. Detective Mama B dive deep on three types of client therapist interactions that should make you say sayonara to that senor or senorita therapisto. We're also going to be hearing a story, or should I say, a horror story, from a gal who really got put through the ringer trying to break up with her therapist, or shall I say, therapists, 
plural. That's right. It's a doozy. Issue number one will be investigating outright inappropriate behavior. So these are the ones that aren't exactly breaking any ethical rules, but they are just the therapist is acting badly, not acting in the best interests of the client. The second type, boundary crossing. We'll be talking about the kinds of things that therapists do, which we would call crossing the boundary. And um, this makes the client very uncomfortable. I'm squirming already. We will all squirm in our chairs in discomfort. And don't think we're floating down the lazy river with a diet seltzer. We are taking the big boy mats and going to the highest slide at the water park and diving in deep. The third type we're going to talk about, therapy abuse. Yeah, yeah. And one uh, one that is very worrisome, and uh, so we'll spend a lot of time on it. Yes. So I'd like to introduce our special guest for this episode. I met this amazing woman at a podcasting conference. She has her own podcast that's called The Ripple, which is... Uh, Intense, super intense. It's stories of people who lived through 9-11 at Ground Zero. Wow. Yeah, you've got one of those stories, Mama. Yes, but um, I was just there as a Red Cross volunteer, so I didn't really, um, you know, I just witnessed and tried to support people through. Yeah, well, that's actually, so she tells the stories of people who supported people. So the rescue workers, the people who... Saw it all go down. I see. Epic, epic stories. Jen is an amazingly fortified person, <laughs> uh, and you're gonna hear you're gonna hear that in her in her story. And she has specifically a story of therapy that is kind of kind of shocking. You can't believe it when you hear it that that she went through what she went through. And so I think best to tell it in her own words. I'm listening, listening. As I was saying, today's case includes a first-hand account from a fortified dame named Jen, who called the office of Dr. Detective Mama BPHD Private Eye to go on the record for a case we're calling Dr. Smiles. I think it was like seven years ago. Um, I think I was 29 or 28 And I decided to go to therapy. I was unemployed. I had a lot of time on my hands and a lot of time where I really didn't know what direction I wanted my career to take. So I don't remember how. I think it was a recommendation. That's kind of how everything works in New York. But I got a a referral to this therapist. And um, it was a gentleman. And we scheduled an appointment. It was new for me. It was new spending any excessive amount of time talking to a man about my life. And just to be flat out honest, the therapist was very good looking, like very good looking. (laughs) Like model, model (laughs) levels of attractiveness. Like for real model good looks, like teeth that burn your eyes, like such a good smile. (laughs) You know, it doesn't hurt to go to therapy and then 
stare at like a blazing like Hollywood smile every day. It's like not the worst thing that could be happening, right? Yeah. You know, we were kind of similar in age. I think that he was only like maybe nine years older than me. And we had and I felt like things that we talked about were really personal. And so from kind of the beginning, I had requested that like whenever I left the office that we would hug before I left. And I didn't think anything of that because that is how I would be with all of my friends, right? You talk to your friends and if it's like something really heavy you're getting out, you kind of want to hug at the end. And it's like, oh yeah, we just, we had that big conversation. And so that was how we would leave every session. Um, And I, you know, I never thought about it. It wasn't a thing. And I would say a year and three months into that time, I, I started feeling like I, you know, I should see another therapist. I felt like we had like hit an impasse where I would, I was going in every week, but I didn't feel like I was emotionally advancing. I didn't feel like I was growing. Um, I just kind of felt like I was in a standstill in terms of my wellness and my mental health. And I, I really thought about the idea of, you know, maybe I would benefit from having a female therapist or trying group therapy would be really interesting. I like the idea of having a, a group of like-minded individuals that you can kind of support and bat ideas off of and thoughts off of. So I had all these these different ideas and thoughts that I was going through. And, you know, I was I think I was casually in the search for a new therapist, but it was you know, like a lot of things, it's, you want to find someone that fits you and that works for you. And, um, and it, it just takes time. I should add in that if listeners are feeling similar ways about the therapist that they are seeing, if you feel similar question marks to Jen in this part of her story, hold on tight. Answers are coming. We are getting there. But you won't believe what happens next. So I was in this kind of like slow crawl out, you know, just like I'll find someone. I wasn't in a rush to find someone, just like I knew I needed another person. And then I came in one day to to session and it was like any normal day. And then it was maybe five or ten minutes to the end of the session, which is always when your therapist pulls out any detail, like you owe us money, or I'm not going to be here next week, or can we do a phone session? Um, He he just said, my wife and I separated. And we're living apart. Whoa. And I was like, okay. um." Had he ever said personal (laughs) details in your sessions before? He really hadn't. I mean, the only thing I knew about him was that he had a wife. And uh, kind of the borough where he lived. And that was about it. We never really got into uh, discussions about him. And I really never asked him things about himself. So this was like kind of a zinger of a first detail from Mr. Smiles over here. Dr. Smiles. It's a zinger. um, And it kind of came out of left field. But we always had this like very interesting energy between us. And I'm not saying it was a sexual energy. It was just an energy. And, And that all shifted in that minute for me where I was like, Ooh, this, I know, like you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be telling me that like, that's not my business. And this isn't, this is my time for healing. It's not for you. Like it felt really selfish to me that he brought that into the conversation. 
hearing the voice of my mom, I know that she is probably going to insist that we interject that it is not appropriate. Beyond not appropriate, it is – there's some term. It's not illegal, but there's like some like um, – Unethical? Maybe it's unethical. Yeah. Unethical sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I would go with unethical. <laughs> it's about to take a turn. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that happened. And that was the end of the session. So we, you know, as per usual, did our parting ways hug. And he's taller than me. So I, you know, you do that thing when you hug someone taller, you kind of turn your head in towards their, you know, like, so your ears kind of like at their chest Otherwise, you're like face planting their inner shoulder. And then I felt him kiss my upper cheekbone, like very close to my eye socket. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We have gone too far. Oh, no. So that was... Um, interesting. That's like an unethical bomb. I mean, I can't honestly think of a time where I felt more uncomfortable in my, in the current room I had been in. I, I had never felt more uncomfortable, not unsafe, just uncomfortable. Like this should not be happening. And that was really like the exact moment where I was like, oh yeah, next week's going to be our last session. Like in my head. That was all I was thinking. Like, we're not, we're definitely done. I don't care if I have a, a therapist on board right now or not. We're, we're just done. Yeah. It's over. Evacuation plan. Yeah. So I, I kind of raced out of that place, walked uh, back to my apartment. And then the next week I came in and we had a full session. And I, I don't remember when in the session I said that I would be leaving but it was some it was sometime in there where I said, you know, this I might have said it right off the bat, actually, so that it was it was clear from the get go. I don't like to wait on stuff like that. I'd rather just get it out. Your ultimate levels of assertiveness. I didn't place any of my wanting to leave on that previous week's incident, because in in all reality, I had wanted to leave before that, that it was just unfortunate that that had occurred to me. And I just said, you know, I wanted I wanted to seek a different a different kind of therapy. I was interested in, you know, having therapy with a, a female therapist and also trying group therapy and, you know, that I would be leaving after that session. And I and I, you know, he was he was more than fine with that answer. There was no fight. There was no argument. It was very it was very casual and it's fine. And, you know, and that was it. That was the, that was where we shut it off. So after he dropped the most wrong bomb, you ended it in an awesomely right way. Yes. I tried to be how, I mean, that is kind of a true representation of how I want to end relationships. I don't like having bad blood. I don't like having, you know, weirdness. It seems like life is not long enough for that kind of stuff. So, yes, that was the that was the end of the first therapist. So before we go past Jen's first therapy experience, I want to dig into several things here. I feel like there are a lot of topics to cover here and there's a lot of places for mama bee advice. But the first one that is maybe most straightforward is the scenario before all the shenanigans when Jen just knew that she wanted to get out of therapy. Like you know you're going to leave, but it's just taking time to process it. What do you think of that, mom? 
every person who is facing this uh, dilemma or challenge uh, should do it in their own way. And um, if a slow crawl is appealing to that particular client, then do it that way. I think it's a great idea. What really matters is that you get your outcome. And your outcome is to be out of therapy. There's a reason why that person is having trouble getting, you know, being assertive, getting out of that bad situation. Maybe it, it kind of recaps um, their, their prison that they were in, their emotional prison that they were in as a child who was possibly emotionally or physically or sexually abused. Hmm. And in that case, the person might be kind of frozen. So, Mom, is it okay for, like, a therapist to tell a detail from their personal life in your own therapy session? Is that kosher? It's certainly kosher to, to give some details, but not something like that. That's totally boundary-crossing. Totally. It's not relevant at all to the client. The therapist is getting ready to make a pass at the, at the client. Probably feeling her out to, <laughs> sorry, uh, probably testing her out to see if she's going to be responsive or not. So, but like, if if the therapist is going through like their own emotional trauma, like how how much should they like tell the client? Or is it like when when is the therapist allowed to be a person? It's not a clear cut uh, issue because it depends on what the therapist is going through. For example, when I injured my my leg, uh, I guess people could see me kind of limping around. But I explained to them, oh, I did this at pickleball and so forth and so on. And then that's it. Mm -hmm. Moving on. It's always about the client. It's not about the therapist. So that's one of the other guidelines. If a therapist talks too much about themselves, that's that's really counterproductive, and it's really boundary-crossing big time. Hmm. So I guess the takeaway here would be beware of boundary-crossers. That's right. Said in a very bewareful voice, too, appropriately. Okay, Mom, I know that you have been very polite answering all my other questions, and you really want to talk about this Dr. Smiles eye socket kiss. So, Mom, was that kiss appropriate? This is quite clearly an ethical violation by your therapist. We call it inappropriate dual relationship. So he's treating you like a date and like a client at the same time. So any client in this situation might become paralyzed or frozen emotionally. But this that scenario is even more likely if the client was traumatized previously. So what happens is fear takes over, and it supersedes anybody's good judgment. Being in therapy creates a power differential between the therapist and the client. And you know who's on top of that power differential. The therapist. Yes, and unfortunately, some therapists abuse their power. That's why I'm going to tell you about a wonderful organization that helps people in this situation. So the organization is called TELL, T-E-L-L. It stands for Therapy Exploitation Link Line. It helps the 
client find the support and resources they will need to understand what has happened to them and to take action and to heal. It can help the survivor or the victim help themselves. What we're talking about is integrity. And um, I went on one of the websites that specifically talks about the cases of therapists, uh, of all kinds of people, all kinds of professionals who have lost their license and why. And uh, it's fascinating. And every story is different. Right. So the ethical standards uh, are, it's, it's complicated, for sure. I mean, our goal here is not to be judge and jury. It is just to fortify our listeners so that they can better know when they are in a tricky, sticky situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And usually they will know because they feel uncomfortable. Okay, I've got a takeaway. Go ahead. Let your uncomfortableness be your guide. Yes, that's good. Yes. There's nice uh, streamline it for us, Rebecca. So one more case to solve today, Mama. But first, let's get a quick word from our sponsor. Yoga Glow. Yoga Glow. Does the stress of the world make you want to curl up in a blanket? Is talking about therapy already making you anxious? Sorry. Does reading the news put you in a cranky fog? Then try Yoga Glow and relax into Downward Dog. Yoga Glow is your place for online yoga and meditation with thousands of classes from the world's best instructors taught at every skill level. No driving, no parking, no stress. And it's just $18 a month. That's less than a single class at a yoga studio. Get your first two weeks of Yoga Glow free when you sign up at yogaglow.com slash pickleball. That's yogaglo.com slash pickleball. For two weeks free, yogaglow.com slash pickleball. Now we last left our lady Jen when she was trying to scram out on Dr. Smiles. Turns out there was another doc in the picture. Dr. Angry Emails. I think you might be able to see where this one's going. So, Jen, can you tell me about the second therapist that you went to? Yeah. uh, She's a quick nugget. She is a woman. She's a little bit older. And she's a therapist and a healer. So I think, well, she's got a lot going on for her. She's probably amazing. And we start seeing each other for three months or less. And we had a couple sessions in that time, but I also canceled a couple sessions in that time. And also she was more expensive than he was. So there were times where I really just couldn't afford to go. So I just would say, you know, I can't come in tomorrow. And in one of those moments of of me canceling, which was a real cancel, I had meetings, uh, night meetings at work that week. She proceeded to shoot off this email to me just stating that she didn't think I was serious about my mental health. 
It was a very yelly email. Was there excessive caps? <laughs> there actually was no caps. It was completely lowercase, which makes me think you typed it in a fury, such a fury that you couldn't even use the caps key. Beat poetry style. And that just blew my mind. Um, especially because she knew everything I had just gone through with the previous therapist. And, you know, there was a, a couple emails back and forth. And and I let her go in that email conversation with a very quick email just stating, I don't think this is going to work for me. And, you know, after that, she she left me a very apologetic voicemail and then a very apologetic email, which was it was very nice. It was very kind. And it was the right thing for her to do because she was wrong in, in what she was saying in these emails. And it ended. It ended just as cleanly as it started. But not all therapy breaks break so smoothly. Jen's story reminds Dr. Detective Mama B of another case that came across her desk just last week. Listen here. Frankie has been in therapy for four years. For the last year, Frankie has felt like her therapist is phoning it in. Not wanting to just go on the lamb, Frankie sent her therapist a text message. Perhaps it was an SMS, maybe an iMessage when you can see where people are typing. She didn't say. But what she did say is she asked that therapist if she could take a month off. Her therapist fired back faster than Annie Oakley with a laundry list of reasons why she couldn't leave now. Listing all the things that Frankie had come to therapy to work on. All the things that she still felt like she was wrestling with. And the real kicker? The therapist's closing words. It seems like you must be very angry with me. With hesitation, Frankie booked one more session to sort things out. But she's walking in wondering, what do you do when you've tried your darndest to make a graceful exit? And your doctor starts slinging your personal information to up the stakes and keep you coming back. Frankie, this is a tough case. But Dr. Detective Mama B is on it. Frankie, thanks for your good question. Sounds like your therapist wanted you to give her a second chance to be a competent therapist. You kind of maybe gave her a wake-up call by wanting to leave therapy. But then she ignored your sincere request to take a break from therapy. And she, instead, she proceeded with her own agenda. If I wanted to be kind, I'd describe your therapist as the old-fashioned kind who believes in long-term therapy and who's using pretty old and ideas and old methods. If I wasn't being kind to your therapist, I might call her Dragon Lady. As a client, you may think that to be a good client, you must be polite and rarely ask her any questions. Sounds like you feel this therapist is kind of pushing you around, and I would agree. So you're uncomfortable and upset because uh, she seems to be manipulating you. And you're also baffled by her weird statements and her behavior. 
Boy, have I got the YouTube videos for you. One of them is entitled, Five Signs You Are Seeing a Bad Therapist by Katie Morton. And she says, a bad therapist conveys the idea that you are completely dependent on him or her. Therefore, you must continue, must, must, must continue therapy. And in a bad therapy situation, you don't actually do anything in therapy. Uh, You're not making progress in dealing with your issues. The part of me that gets angry when I hear about a situation like yours just makes me want to say, do not let this therapist push you around. And yet I know that's way too simplistic. If you can reassure yourself that she's not bullying you to stay in therapy, then go ahead and stay in therapy. I'm not convinced. And let me assure you that there's no graceful way to get out of this situation with her, especially if you're what we call conflict-averse. This task of getting out of therapy may actually even take you years to accomplish. My uh, thinking or philosophy of treatment is very, very different, as you might guess. I usually see myself as a collaborator and a teacher, and I encourage my clients to find their own strengths and their own resources, and then to go out into the real world and practice and practice and do experiments. Once a client finds these resources and strengths, the healing begins automatically. And I'm just like a cheerleader. Sometimes this is called the self-healing tendency. And I can also describe it as your inner voice guiding you. One sure thing is that when you're healing, you feel better. It's not too complicated. Our inner healing process takes over. I hope that's of help to you. Oh my gosh, mom, this is like the most amazing answer. Thank you. I feel like in it, you like clarified for me like what therapy is. Mm. Okay, good, good. I was really trying to do that. You see therapy as this, can I say, three-step process. You're understanding the problem, teaching techniques on how to deal with the problem, and then just a couple practice rounds, then you get out there. And from that very basic uh, standpoint, this client, the therapist does not have rapport with this client. She's trying to get out from prison. Yeah. Therapy prison. <laughs> Therapy prison. That really gets me going. <laughs> I don't, I, I, that's why you're here. You're here to be an advocate for everyone, whether it means getting them into therapy, getting them out of therapy, or just answering their daily <laughs> questions. That is the job I have instilled upon you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yes, General. Uh, Lieutenant, uh, what is your rank again? Um, I'm like detective caseworker in this case. Oh, yeah, detective caseworker. So this is one of the other revelations I had during this answer. When you talk about inner voice, I think of a Tinkerbell. I think of like a little like flying above one shoulder Tinkerbell. Oh, that is so adorable. So like that's your inner voice because, you know, Tinkerbell, I I actually don't even know if she talks, but if she were to talk, I feel like she'd say mostly positive things. It's not like a devil versus an angel. That girl is, she's staying positive till till the day (laughs) someone uh, says, 
fairies don't exist and then she'll die. Given that you're, that I think of your inner voice as a Tinkerbell, I see almost therapy as like she's kind of there listening to all the problems, but then slowly over the course of therapy, her face melds into being your therapist's face, you know, if it's a good therapist, and then that that's just there with you. Okay. So now your inner voice has all these good therapy techniques that it can utilize. Hmm. And it's kind of this like creepy version of Tinkerbell meets your therapist's face. Well, yes, that is sort of what happens. I just got an email from a client uh, a day or so ago, and it was lovely. She she discontinued with my fondest permission, (laughs) with my fondest permission. And then uh, this is about six months later, she noted three POBs, pat on the backs, that she wanted to give herself, and she wanted me to know. So yes, that's exactly how it works. So Mama B, you've completed all the cases that needed completing. Any more paperwork you need to shuffle around before we wrap up this episode? So... In a way, to answer that main question of this episode, and that is, how do you know when you are done with therapy? I think your inner voice will shout at you, time to be done with therapy. It may be hard to get out, but it will certainly be well worth the effort. And so I feel that if this podcast gives just one person permission to leave an abusive therapy relationship, I will be delighted and I will have done my job and my ro- perform my role as described by <laughs> my dear daughter Rebecca. Yes, I agree. That's that is why we are here. Oh my gosh. We are here to help you. We are here to cheer, but also here to help you hand you a shovel and help you start digging out of that hole. One of my goals here was is to explain to our dear listeners more about what I think therapy should be. My basic uh, idea is that therapy should be learning how to negotiate, especially learning how to negotiate with your therapist because negotiation skills are needed in every realm of your life. Well, I'm really glad you said that because Jen's story doesn't end with like, you know, washing out her mouth with Listerine forever and ever. It actually, or washing out her eye socket. Oh gosh, that sounds (laughs) disgusting. Okay. So it doesn't end with that. Mm -hmm. It actually, it ends with her finding an amazing therapist. Great. I'm so happy. Do you want to hear that story? Yes, I do. So Jen, in your search for therapy, you have been smiled at, inappropriately kissed, received lowercase yelly emails. I'm really excited to hear this happy ending. In the apartment I had been in, I had a roommate who had been going to the same therapist for eight years. And I thought, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine doing anything for eight years. Um, And that to me seemed like a real success. So she recommended a facility uh, where she had met her therapist and it was a training facility. Hmm. for for psychotherapists and I called and set up an intake appointment and it was all very proper in comparison to not that the therapists I had been to before weren't proper but it was it was very office like you know it was very set up 
um, and organized, but not by one person, by a whole team. So there was this one, one to two intake therapists that you would meet with, and then they would set you up. You would tell them like your whole life story, and then they would set you up with a therapist that they felt was a good fit for you. Oh, cool. Yep. You'd test around that therapist. And if you didn't, you know, enjoy them or like that experience, you were able to try another therapist and they would just find you one until you found one that worked for you. Um, And I got really lucky in that I, the first person that they set me up with became my therapist and she has been my therapist for three and a half years. There it is. And you're smiling. (laughs) I am smiling. I, I saw her yesterday and I told her that I would be um on this podcast and she said oh that sounds exciting oh yay (laughs) a cheerleader and a therapist (laughs) she is she's a good she's you know I think what I like about therapy now is I feel very much like I found somebody who she doesn't like hold my hand and pat me on the back she Mm -hmm. questions things and she makes me think about decisions I make and when there's a need to be proud, she's proud. Um, but it's not her main goal to make me feel good about me. Um, and I like that. I respect that about her. But I would say very, very early on in our relationship, I realized that I was in the right place. Oh, you were mentally healthily <laughs> home. Mentally healthily home. Yes. This has to be in some very enlightened city. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is happening in New York City. That's great. What a great kind of finale to the other story. A Hollywood ending indeed. In case it's not clear by now, we're here to help. I hope that's clear by now. And if you know a friend who needs to get out of their therapeutic relationship, Please share this podcast with them. And if you're thinking, when's a good time to reach out to advice from mom? Think right now. And then make your computer think. www.advicefrom.mom I know, confusing. Not .com. .mom If you've listened to the show more than once, it's time for you to write a review. What are you waiting for? Another episode? Do you think episodes grow on trees? Well, you're wrong. They grow on review bushes. If you want more episodes, write a review. You could even write a review about how much you love when I do my detective voice. Dear iTunes, I wish Rebecca would do all her voices for the whole show. Um, and it makes me sad she doesn't do them through the credits. Fine. You get your wish. In celebration of the recent Democratic win. In my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I shall now read the credits in Pittsburghese. Advice for Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced by Juliet Heinle and that Yinzer girl who's sometimes kind of a jag-off, Rebecca Garza-Bortman. What kind of name is that now? Editing and sound design by Juliet Heinley. This show would not be nearly as good if she wasn't taking out all the parts where I start rambling. Mixed and mastered by Jake Young. Are you appreciating how beautiful this sounds right now? Because that's Jake at work. 
publicity by Anna Bader. She's new to the team, but already working harder than the steel curtain. Audio assistance by the guy who loves a gal from Pittsburgh, Brian Garza. You guys want to get sandwiches after I'm done reading these credits? Because our theme music is by Love Jerks. Bless the ghost of Myron Cope, I'm all done. All right, time for an icy light. I even have a couple final words. Final words, final word them up. There is it. Let me find the paper with the final words. It's the final paper, so I have to go through all the sheets to get to it. Oh, shut the hell up. Never mind. I'm not te- <laughs> now I'm not telling you. No, I'm not telling you. <sighs> but I'm far away from... I'm far... Oh, there I see it. Hang on a minute.